We're back! We're back! It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. How are things? We are back together. It feels good. I almost felt like divorced from you and my heart ached. When yeah. You were it's away. been too long. And this like, is I a did... rare opportunity for uh, both of us to be recording a podcast while having our versions of a suntan at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm almost off white. It's quite, it's quite yeah. a change. I mostly just look blurry. That's that's the closest it gets. We're just sort of like that is not a very good photo of him. My wife and I like to, my wife and I like to remember like products like Banda Soleil, where it's like, like back in the eighties, where they didn't have sunscreen, they had sun accelerant. Where yes. it was like, uh, this will open up your pores, and this will allow more uh, UV rays to come in. And you, Panama will- Jack's proprietary formula is guaranteed to induce melanoma in forty-five <laughs> minutes or less. Also, you look like a fucking ballpark Frank by the yep. time you leave the beach. <laughs> I will tell you that that is still a popular look on the Jersey Shore. There's a lot of people that are going for the, um, like, if you could just put a goatee on a milk dud. That's still a really cool way for a guy to look down there. Uh, let's get to the podcast because you don't want to talk uh, we, about that anymore. No, wanna... we no, no. I'm I, I tire <laughs> of your discourse. No, no, no. Uh, we have a very, very special uh, guest. It's our old friend. He hasn't been on the podcast in years, and we had to have him on because Roth college football starts this week. Kinda, yeah. it's week kinda. zero. It's week zero, the legendary week zero. So to celebrate, our guest is Spencer Hall of the subscription newsletter Channel 6, which I subscribe to, and also the co-host of the Shutdown Fullcast. Spencer, welcome back. Welcome back, King. No, thank you, uh, gentlemen. I want to go ahead and confirm that not only is the Hawaiian Tropic look still big on the Gulf Coast as of this past weekend, that in order to properly do it, uh, to add that accelerant, as you say, you need a a good unfiltered cigarette that really deepens the tan. I can't (laughs) explain how. It's just biochemistry. You got to open the alveoli and let the sun in. That's what Trump was talking about with the light and COVID and stuff. People don't understand that, but he was was good. Carbon's good for you. The closer you are to a chunk of coal, the more you are uh, closer to being fuel in the great furnace of God's love. Can I ask where on the Gulf Coast you were? Um, I was, I, dude, I, I was in my favorite part, which, because, uh, again, you're peasants. You're like, oh, PCV, Panama City Beach. Nah, son. Orange Beach, Alabama. Orange <laughs> oh, Beach, Alabama. so you were like, you were full Redneck Riviera. Oh, yes, sir. Is it nice? Yeah, I was I was within steps of the Floribama. Yeah, the Floribama, which is the bar oh. that is on one half of the Florida line and other half is on the Alabama line and they throw a mullet back and forth for uh, distance as a contest once a year between Jesus. the two. Their signature cocktail is the Bushwhacker, which is basically just ice cream filled with like 800 kinds of liquor. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds actually kind of great. Do you ever have one of those? I've had a Bushwhacker. Yeah. I do not yeah. want another one. Oh, okay. So you didn't have one this time. No, I've done that. I've done my time. No, he's he's grown, man. He's just there. Yeah. He's he's in uh, Florabama as like more of its a anthropological research sort of. You role, you don't like. drink that anymore, and you still call yourself a college football fan. I am. I'm, not I'm still a college football fan because I don't drink that. I can't. I know that I can't go shot for shot with the locals of Lower Alabama. If you didn't know Lower Alabama, if you're from there, a diet of nothing but canned beer and seafood will make you into a 6'5", indestructible titan of a man. Uh, that's why guys like Kenny Stabler and Julio Jones both come from Foley, Alabama. So I can't explain it. It's just one of those places that just grows large, indestructible fools. Shrimp-fed fools. Yeah. I find that appealing in a way. We, uh, we are going to break down some of the uh, the lesser names in the top 25, because spiritually, this is a hit kid, but we have to ask you the big, the big picture questions about college football before we do all that, Spencer. Are you ready for all the standard existential questions about the state of college football that you've probably had to answer 5 million times? Sure. Good, because even if you weren't, I would ask you anyway. As of this recording, Spencer, the Pac-12 has seen all but four of its current members defect for other conferences with only Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Wazoo left. None of these schools have yet to find a home in any of the remaining Power Four conferences. Do you think they will, or are we seeing the beginning of a spiritual relegation in the sport? I think they should. That's a weird case because you have four schools, and categorically, half of them are one tier, and the other half are absolutely not that tier. Um, (laughs) You know, you have Stanford and Cal, where, you know, 
they have massive endowments and they produce scholars left and right. And they also, for some reason, have a vestigial football team that just manages to sort of survive, which is why the ACC is interested in them. And then on the other side, they have the people um, who can actually party, which is Wazoo <laughs> right. and Oregon State. And those are two very different institutions in terms of mission and in terms of size and with football teams that uh, it's a weird how alike these football teams can be in terms of quality, despite coming from four very different places, you know, like they can all suck. It's amazing that that many people can team together and create from that many different backgrounds and with that many different institutional priorities and still make the same, you know, six and six crap. Like that's what you can get. Do you not detect some sort of, uh, you know, to use my wine words, but some terroir differences in terms of the, the Washington State variety of sucking versus the Stanford variety of sucking? Yeah, Stanford's a quiet suck. That's a quiet kind of sucking. Washington State is like sucking out loud, and they're almost proud of it because they're going to get drunk and drink fireball in the stands no matter what happens. Like, Yeah, you you drink a sequoia whacker. When Washington State sucks, it's cool. They're like, yeah, cooged it. Like, they have their own verb for it, right? They're like, yeah, man, cooged it. <laughs> okay so then but i want you to answer the question are these yeah. guys going to be left out and will yeah. more schools get left out as we progress they will be left out that's a double shame for oregon state right now because oregon state's actually an incredible football team right now like jonathan smith's an amazing coach they're in great shape and if they go down to the mountain west which i think would be the logical fix for them as well right. as washington state that just seems to be a fit in a lot of different ways, especially scale. You, you've got to the point where, you, you know, the Pac-12 found this out the hard way. If you say, we need $50 million, the market will not throw $50 million back at you in terms of, you know, per school. That's not what the Pac-12 got. They got much less than that. And then they ended up getting nothing when they balked at that number. I think their number that they didn't want to mess with at Apple was 30 mil, 30 mil per school. To give you some scale of that, if you're listening to this, the Big Ten receives $58.8 million per school. The SEC is currently behind that at somewhere around 48 mil per school. So um, if you want to know where those numbers are landing, that's what we're talking about for a major conference. But those are also very small schools. Corvallis and Pullman don't necessarily have the same kind of pull that, say, the two Bay Area schools even have. And we're not talking about performance, by the way. Um, you know, We're just talking about how many eyeballs that you're looking at, which is the most important rubric that the Big Ten especially has used when it comes to expanding. So a power conference, if you told me that Wazoo and and Oregon State ended up in the Mountain West or something like that, I could see that. I think that's a great fit for them. I think that's about the scale in which they can perform really well. I think they can thrive at that level uh, and wouldn't face some of the issues that they face now. I want you to know something else. Cal has like a $450 million athletic debt that's what happens when you build new facilities and you have to insure them because they're on a fault line or not insure them because you literally, your stadium is built on a, an active fault line. Hmm. Uh, so Cal has major issues. They need to be in a major conference because they have a lot of money to pay off and a program that doesn't necessarily draw as well as it may have once did, but never really did anyway. This is maybe the most depressing place that a college athletic program can be we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about Rutgers but we have Rutgers is in a very similar situation where they're actually oh, yeah. losing money on an athletic program like using money that should be for like general funds for student welfare and they're using that to like uh reimburse Greg Schiano's Ubers they bought Greg Schiano a house they built him a house on campus and carved out a special slice of land that is like the Schiano estate which is like the opposite of student welfare because it guarantees that kids are going to be seeing Greg Schiano all the time. Coming down yeah. the end of his driveway like Tony Soprano to pick up the fucking Star Ledger. You don't want to see that. And that house has its own staff infection room where he can play with his staff infection <laughs> kit all day long, which I think is exciting. To Spencer's point, though, and I'm, I'm, we will presumably get to Rutgers because we are going to talk about the Rutgers. Big, eight, big 18 or whatever. Yes, and I wanted to hear Drew say it like that. That there's this sort of like level of turbo fucked power conference team there's a few of them i mean i think it's it's a good and illuminating thing to hear the distinction between like washington state and oregon state which to me seem like they should be in a conference like the mountain west in some ways it's like you know if you accept that the pac-12 is a thing that exists then like yeah they've been in that for as long as i've been paying attention to it but they fit in fine with mountain west teams schools that are like these institutions that 
have these athletic programs attached, but also are not economically or culturally in a place to really support them. This is where, I mean, it's not going to happen, you know, but that there's definitely a case to be made, not even an abstract case, that Rutgers should just not have a football program for a while. Or that, like, that this is not, a like, a sustainable thing. But none of that, like, that's off the menu, right? Like, it's not like Cal is going to be like, you know what, we had a good run. Uh, it's not really that important to us. You, you sound like an Atlanta, you sound like an Atlanta rap fan talking to New York rap fans. Because, like, Rutgers <laughs> invented this shit. Yeah. They did. Like, like, Rutgers was in the first team, and, and now it's like, retire, Grandpa. We don't need you boom bap, hippity hop. I went to the store and I bought me a hat. Well, Rutgers is yeah. in this great spot now, too, though. Because they're always, like... I mean, obviously, like, they're top of mind for me because I have a, a brain disorder. But it's like anytime you're talking about, like, a thing that shouldn't have happened in college sports, people are like, mm-hmm. do you remember when Rutgers joined the Big Ten? Do you remember when that happened? And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I do. I do remember that. So it's, again, the Big Ten has made the most cynical decisions possible, the most cynical. And among those decisions was deciding that a spreadsheet that showed the number of people near your school <laughs> mattered a whole hell of a lot. Like, it's the most Fox decision. It really is. Like, if you yeah. want to just go ahead and brand it correctly, it is the most Fox decision to be like, we can broadcast our product here. Look, there are so many millions of eyeballs right here. Take that school. And you're like, yeah. dude, nobody fucking – people actively avoid this school. People do not go there, and they're like, but the airwaves. That's it. That's really the entire basis of Rutgers being in the Big Ten – is their proximity to New York. Right. Somebody noticed that New Jersey is directly south of New York State. Yeah. And no one in New York gives a fuck about college football in general. There's nothing you can do to make us care. I think it's fair to say that at this point. Like, whatever you want. Like, put Donovan McNabb back on Syracuse now. That's fine. I will go for a walk on a Saturday. Yeah, you get like, there's like two dozen Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame fans in New York City. And that's kind of it. Like, it's not. It's just it, even, but if, if they even break off a, 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 a sliver of that population, then it's worth the money. And they may not care. They may not care about Rutgers, but the number of Michigan grads in New York alone validates that choice. In my neighborhood alone. Because they will all tune in to watch a 55-0 shellacking. <laughs> of the Scarlet Knights. They will love that. They will watch at least three quarters of it. Uh, do you anticipate more schools getting left out? Like, so let's say the Big Ten is like, fuck it, we'll take the Big 12 too. Or oh, you know- ultimate, Ultimately, yeah. They, they're going to pare down. And uh, I wrote about this on the Channel 6 newsletter, which of course is great. And you should Ding! subscribe for just $10 a month. You get two things a week. Um, bespoke blog content at bargain prices. The wow. thing that you should know about the left behind scenario is it will be less a pruning and a champions league scenario where you take the 36 best teams and we just roll them up into like mega league and everyone else gets lost i don't think that's going to happen i think what you'll get is a merger right like this is the way business is easy if you take the lowest possible road every single time and the lowest possible road for two conferences who will ultimately be competing for uh eyeballs and audience is not to see who makes it uh to the end the best thing for all parties will ultimately be to create this like big company everyone hates to be create this big league that no one likes and everyone despises and provides a sort of hit or miss product. And I think that's what you'll get when the Big Ten and the SEC decide to merge because it's what's happened in every other major American sport. Well, in every other major American professional sport. Correct. Right. Right. And that's, I think, the where people still have a, an issue with this is accepting that that's really what we're talking about. Yeah, but it is what we're talking about. That's why I wanted to ask is, as a fan, do you accept it? Do you care if this happens? Or do you believe that consolidation will destroy whatever local flavor college football has left to it? I don't think you can because ultimately the people who are going to those games are still going there to see their cousin say hi to their attorney, you know, which is <laughs> common. Uh, maybe say hi to their cousin and get advice from their attorney at the same time because their cousin is their attorney. Um there are still, I think, a lot of the like root strengths of college football that people are like, oh, well, you know, you, you'll lose everything. Well, I don't, people said that when Tulane left the SEC. People, you know, I have seen a thousand different threats to this sport, which are all equally drastic and catastrophic every single year. And I'm kind of an optimist uh, in one sense uh, via the low road of nihilism because it, it, does all of this matter? 
Does any of it matter? I'm still going to watch my team. Like most people are still going to watch a team. And by the way, like there are business models that still preserve these rivalries. Even the Big Ten, which has been um, rapacious in its uh, campaign to acquire as many properties as possible and in as telegenic a fashion as possible. Even the Big Ten's like, yeah, we're not touching Ohio State, uh, Michigan. Like we're just no that that has to stay there, and this rivalry has to. Stay. The SEC has moved a lot of its expanded schedule around so that we accommodate certain traditional rivalries. And by the way, we have to admit that not all of them matter. Like that's another thing is you know you have to go. Okay, Excuse me, like Iowa, Minnesota, or you say, I'm here wow, to say that. the battle for the big butt axe isn't it's like the big. It's the big butt axe. It means a lot to me. I'm going to put one somewhat in your neighborhood. Do you know there's a Wikipedia entry for the Penn State-Maryland rivalry? <laughs> <laughs> is it called the Battle for the Soul of Bergen County, New Jersey? Is that, uh, is that how it's colloquially known? That would be a better name. But no, it's, it's not called that. And you should, you should know that this is a rivalry that, uh, as of recording, I'm going to go ahead and look this up on air because that's what quality podcasting is oh this is it this is what it's about yeah so the current rivalry stands at 46 total meetings and penn state leads 42 wins three losses and one tie (laughs) whoa wow there shouldn't be a wikipedia entry for this they don't need to play each other so i was mostly expecting that i was i did have my fingers crossed for a tie so like the rest of this podcast is gravy for me now i'm glad that it's a (laughs) 42 3 and 1 scenario uh will any of this uh improve the competitive balance in college football because i've seen no evidence of that from the current playoff system spencer no and I, I don't think it will improve the balance because there is no real way to equalize talent. The NFL has parity because there is an enforced parity, because there is a way to go ahead and make sure that there is at least a governor on the floor and the ceiling. And very few franchises have managed to figure out how to make it irrelevant on either end. Shouts out to the Washington Commanders for finding a way. Um, <laughs> the The thing that... I think would help is increase player mobility. People want to go ahead and restrict the transfer portal. They want to go ahead and find some way to not have the same kind of freedoms of labor movement that we have in this country for everything else. Um, That's not going to fly. I think that the more immediate you can make transfers, the better. I think if you want to, you should be able to transfer in the middle of a game. We can flip you. You can come (laughs) over and play in the second half on our defensive line if you'd like. That'd be fine. You can do that in you know nearly every other scenario in American life. Why not as a college football player? NIL won't won't equalize that either because some schools are just more committed. Like some schools just have a culture and a booster base bound and determined to be competitive at football, though the second beach house gets sold. You know? Wait, like are you saying to me, Spencer, that it just means more? To certain no, schools no, and others, you don't have to do that. You don't have to. He did it. Humor he did that. it. I know. That. Unfor- unfortunately, that whole advertising campaign exists for a reason, because there are places like Ohio State and USC and Michigan and Florida and Alabama and Georgia and Clemson, uh, where they'll go to outrageous lengths. You wouldn't say, "Man, we'll use a church as a recruiting tool." It's happened. And we will necessarily manage to arrange payments through that church it's happened like why not why not your school spencer why hasn't florida done that it's integrity <laughs> why does florida have values i mean what, what's going on there Flor- i don't know that we haven't remember back in the 80s we were the ones who had a, a chicken plant where you could go and pick up your paycheck for working 30 hours a week there despite logging no hours whatsoever so Ooh, i want that job that sounds good it's a great college job it's one of the better ones I've heard of. Yeah, but it's basically that, or you know, I guess the library is a nice place to work as well. But library is a sweet place to work, especially if you get paid three hundred dollars an hour. There. I was going to say, yeah, if you have to show up, that part of it kind of is uh, that's a that's a demerit. Yeah, that's, I think that's kind of like a, a good point, though, Spencer. That it's like there's, it's not like there's schools that have necessarily opted out of being cynical or scammy about this there's just Mm -hmm. some places have uh richer car dealership guys on their side than other ones do yeah but it does seem like it's basically that that whole class distributed uh our psychotic american gentry across you know this whole scene 
that might be a little fuzzy for you. I can go ahead and back it up with some institutional prerogatives because for a place like the University of Alabama, the football team is the front door to the university, the front porch, right? It's the it's a recruiting tool. And applications to the University of Alabama have gone up since they've been around, uh, since the football team has come back, since the Saban era, to, you know, really started. How much? Um, uh, I, they've gone up substantially. I don't have the number on me. Anecdotally, my friend Jimmy went there for law school because he uh, went to Villanova undergrad and was like, I want to go to to go someplace with a big football program. And he went there <laughs> and he still lives in Alabama today. He's not a lawyer. He runs a brewery in Fairhope, but, uh, which you should check out. It's good. But yeah, that is, I think that part of it is definitely, I mean, that's what what's sort of like funny about a lot of the schools that like got into, you know, whatever, the idea that like Maryland somehow getting stomped out in the Big Ten or Rutgers doing it was like going to bring people in from out of state that wanted the experience of I don't, watching Minnesota beat you by four touchdowns. It's wild to me. Rutgers and Maryland have been in the Big Ten now for like a decade. And I still think like, oh, they just got here. Like, I don't even think of them as being in the Big Ten because they suck shit. It's like a, a temporary thing. It's like just sort of like a patch on your jeans. But it's like, no, this is like, there's like, there's like history here. There's like, there's, it's very scant, but it does exist. Let's take a break. We'll come back to talk about the actual top 25 with Spencer Hall. And uh, before we go, uh, this week's podcast is brought to you by me forgetting to write a fake ad for it. So we'll be right back with Spencer Hall. Wow. Meta. Hey, it's Drew. When we think of sports stories, we tend to think of tales of epic on-the-field glory or incredible against-all-odds comebacks. But the new podcast, Sports Explains the World, brings you some of the wildest and most surprising sports stories you've never heard. Take the teenager who wrote a Wikipedia page that got a young athlete signed to a million-dollar deal. Or a tennis pro who came out of retirement to fight off an invasion. Or what about the Ugandan national basketball coach who was really an undercover agent for the CIA? From award-winning journalists across the globe, Sports Explains the World goes beyond leagues and stats to share stories that will redefine your understanding of sports and their impact on the world. So to hear these and other incredible stories from the wide world of sports, listen to Sports Explains the World on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Sports Explains the World ad-free on Wondery Plus. You can get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices. The path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. But if you're not sure what you really want, or how to make decisions that align with your values, therapy can also be a really useful tool. If you find the idea of starting therapy daunting, you're not alone. It can be expensive, frustrating, and take a long time to get an appointment. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on a journey of self-discovery right away. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and affordable. All you have to do to get started is create an account and fill out a brief questionnaire. And then BetterHelp will match you with a licensed therapist who you can start messaging with right away. So if you've been thinking about trying therapy but aren't sure where to start, BetterHelp is a great option to explore. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash distraction today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash distraction. We're back with Spencer Hall, and we're going to finally break down the top 25. Spencer, Georgia is ranked number one. No shock there. Uh, they had lost a shitload of people from their defense in 2022. They went undefeated anyway. Is there any reason why they won't beat the shit out of everyone again this season? They do have to figure out quarterback. Carson Beck's going to be the starter, but that's not a given. Um, and He looks like a Carson Beck, too. I just want to say, I saw the photograph. That is, They went from Stetson Bennett. They were like, we need someone 
who has the exact same thematic name. Yeah, I was going to say, as somebody who just has a completely vibe-based appreciation of college football, the idea of like Stetson Bennett to Carson Beck is a smooth transition right there. Because that <laughs> really- you know, That's actually that's actually as sane a rubric I've heard for evaluating George's quarterback situation as any, because there's so little information, because Carson Beck really hasn't played that much. You know, people go, if you see people grasping at straws, when you say, new starter Carson Beck, and they'll go, eh, he was a four-star recruit. Cool, you look something up. That means you don't know. Like, nobody yep. knows, right? Um, and he just got, he's replacing a dude who was a no-star recruit who ended up being absolutely phenomenal and a great fit for that offense. Don't overlook, by the way, they're, they are replacing an offensive coordinator, too. So not that there just won't be four- and five-star talent up and down the roster for them and their receiving cores, I think, finally starting to, like, cohere and they, they could really be actually a functional group. They've been this good without really having a go-to wide receiver because their go-to wide receiver is Brock Bowers, their tight end. That's right. Um, yeah, Brock Bowers. Who, by the way, like Brock, like Brock Bowers is awesome. I, I want to say is. like a completely uncynical thing. He is the nicest dude. Everyone who interacts with him is like a fantastic teammate. Like all these, like if you see George's social media, anytime like he comes up, everyone on the team's like, God, oh, what a great guy. <laughs> it makes me want to be a better man. Brock Bowers is just a great dude. Also, his name. He's got the Georgia quarterback name. He could play right. quarterback for them, again, seamlessly. He does, but you see everyone on the team rides for him. Everyone, right? Oh, I, oh, I believe like, it. It's, it's, phenol- it's, it's hilarious. So, Stetson, Stetson Bennett, probably not. <laughs> Stetson Bennett, to me, in the white hat versus black hat thing, he's a little bit of a charming black hat. You know, he's definitely like, you know, ah, Stetson Bennett, the fourth known rogue. Like, yeah. he's <laughs> he's like he's likable and he's integral to the success of the team. But uh, I think he's also, as we've seen, you know, he'll go out and have himself the kind of good time that somebody might eventually have to uh, charge you for. Yeah, you know? that's one of those things they, they can't take away from the SEC. You can nationalize this sport all you want, but there's still going to be like Steven Garcia type dudes that just are t- <laughs> too good at partying to <laughs> like start. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have somebody who's like twenty years from now, they'll be like, you know, don't let my run for governor be derailed by one intox arrest that I had when right. I was twenty two in <laughs> Dallas, you know? Or in his case, twenty-five in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, that's um so they have to replace quarterback and they really have to sort of figure out what they're going to do offensively. You know, if there's any rot in the system at Georgia in terms of championship hangover, it shows up this year. Because, again, you lost an integral coach, you lost a big player, you lost a lot of starters on defense, everyone's real good, but you have a lot of experience to replace and don't think that they're immune from the challenges that that can present. So, yeah, not and also, by the way, not a great offseason, to say the least, right? They had a, they had a player killed and an assistant killed in a uh, in a speeding accident everyone at georgia by the way speeds for some reason everyone on that team is just like can't do the speed limit they had a, a rash of speeding tickets i don't think that's an indication that things are necessarily out of control in your program because there's kind of an e- edge of paternalism when you say that like kirby get him in shape i i, I don't know what he can do man he's he's doing he's doing the football stuff wait that's a second speed- are you are you telling me that no one on georgia can drive they, they make entire movies about this. Yeah, uh, Michigan is ranked number two, Spencer. Why? <laughs> um, they're deep, deep. Like I'm, I'm going to give you serious football answers here. They have Please. a shitload of talent up and down the roster. They don't replace a the quarterback. They have that guy. It's JJ McCarthy. They don't replace their running backs. Their running backs are absolutely fantastic. Probably best duo in the nation. Maybe Penn State. I don't know. Penn State Nick Singleton's real good too. But um, they're deep, and they really need to go ahead. And they need, if you want to go like where they're going to sort of finagle a national title out of this. In theory, they could do that if they get a pass rush and if their wide receivers step up a little bit. That's it. They need to go ahead and show that they can stretch the field. They do all of the like lines of scrimmage stuff real well. Uh, will they be able to overcome Jim Harbaugh getting suspended for four games and then not getting <laughs> suspended for four games and then suspending himself for four games for reasons that we don't really understand because he got someone a cup of coffee or something? No, it was over a cheeseburger. That's it right. really was, right? This is one of those things where it feels like that's like the thing that people would say about it as a, either as a gag or as a sort of a way to talk about how stupid. It's literally about it. Uh, he bought a burger for somebody. 
And you know it's not about a cheeseburger because there was an official statement that was like, this is not just about a cheeseburger. That means it was about a cheeseburger. <laughs> They're trying to pin some sort of like lack of institutional control bullshit on Jim Harbaugh because he hates the NCAA and doesn't want to admit something. Right. And I fully like I, I have my issues with Jim Harbaugh. I do not, you know, I do not necessarily stand for him uh at all. Um, he can be real weird, but I'm one hundred percent on his side, which is uh which is Fuck the NCAA. I will not admit to buying a cheeseburger with a university credit card. Yeah, but it's it's the Big Ten, so you'll excuse me if I can't just not assume that someone got diddled with that cheeseburger because it's the Big Ten. It's a Michigan Big Ten school. Something the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten scandals are. Yeah, you don't want to touch them with ten foot pole. Yeah, they. They go hard. LSU is number five. Is Brian Kelly really getting that program shit together? Yeah. Or is that ranking just for reputation's sake? No, it's this is a really well-coached team. I regret, I regret to inform that they Ugh. are very, very good. The one thing I want to look at, they have taken their best defensive player, Harold Perkins, who you may have seen last year, absolutely torturing Arkansas single-handedly. Uh, and he's a freshman, so NFL Draft Twitter was like, oh, one more year. Uh, he is a fantastic pass rusher. He's also undersized and he's listed at inside linebacker. And I don't know about that because I don't know if you want to put somebody who's that talented in the middle of all that wash and all that nonsense with all those big people knocking around. So, um, who knows what that means? That might not actually mean anything in terms of where he's going to end up on the field because to not use him as a pass rusher would be ridiculous because he's that disruptive but there's plenty of other talent on that team really like it's wild the 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 weak link for them is a quarterback and he's real good uh Jaden Daniels but Jaden Daniels has an interesting profile uh just to get super football nerdy he is the quarterback who they have i think if i put it right the mo- the per- according, this is according to a guy named SEC Statcat who you should follow because he does like really good, very easy to interpret, but actually like really deep statistical analysis of like SEC football games. And he said that Jaden Daniels LSU had like the highest efficiency rating for an offense with the lowest like personal efficiency rating for a quarterback. So like they always end up in like third and twenty for some reason because Jaden Daniels when he takes losses he takes huge losses which only makes him more likable to me that like you're like great yeah. quarterback sometimes he takes a 15 yard sack for no reason because he's like I'm gonna make something happen love that guy we love players like that in the pros that's the mentality you look for yeah I want to go back to Perkins for a second is it possible that they moved him inside uh, as a function of scheme like would they run the type of scheme where he is blitzing the fuck out of everybody from the middle on every down it's possible it's possible like I mean I don't think they're not stupid like, that's one thing I could also say, too. Like, um, Brian Kelly is deeply dislikable. He's very good at his job, and his teams are very, very, very balanced, very well coached, and don't make a whole lot of mistakes. And he can dance. He's such a good dancer, too. He's such a good dancer. Hey, you know, you just get that gumbo flowing in your, in your bloodstream, Drew. Gumbo, gumbo, is, is gumbo. Is there a status update on Brian Kelly's accent at this point? Where are we? It's improved. <laughs> it's improved. And he, okay. he actually, he, he said that it had improved, so I guess it had. Oh, I have to believe him. What what choice do I have? Uh, Spencer, Florida State is in the top 10 as well. Is that a mistake? Do I have to worry about them being good again? No, they're good. I think they're good, and they're very, very aggressive. There are, um, they're probably, if I was to just say, hey, man, you're on the couch, and you have, you know, two or three hours to kill, and there's a team on, which team should I watch? Florida State's a great pick for that. Really? That could be fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you watched any of Mike Norvell's Memphis teams where Memphis was punching so far above its weight and getting, you know, finding like undersung playmakers like Tony Pollard, uh, who, if you'll remember, Tony Pollard was not a huge recruit coming out of um, coming out of high school. He just ended up being put in this great scheme. They just do things that work. So if you have a good player, they'll figure out where to put you. Uh, Jordan Travis is going to be so much fun at quarterback. He was a nightmare against Florida last year. He terrorized a good chunk of the ACC. He's got a year under his belt. He'll be a little better at protecting himself, I hope. And um, they have a fantastic pass rush. So they're going to be volatile. They're going to be the kind of team that if you go by and you see they're down 28-7, sit down. They're not going to be down 28-7 for long. Ooh. Oh, I kind of like that. It's just so long as like if they mount the comeback and then fail at the end, like if they push it wide right. I mean, they might do that too, but that's entertaining mm-hmm. as hell. I'm all right with that. 
Yes, it is. I didn't realize that you had a special Florida State antipathy, Drew. I don't. I don't think I special. There's nothing special about it. It's America. America. Has I know, that but I feel law. like you know, in all all the many conversations that you and I have had about Peter Tom Willis, it never came up that you were. You I were liked mad at I that l- program. I liked our, Peter Tom Willis, Florida State. It was only our, like it was only like once, like Matt Fryer and Chris Wanky like entered the picture, and of course Corso, like just absolutely deciding the Heisman winner every year and giving it to just whoever the fuck was on Florida state. Like that was when, that was when it turned for me. And then, you know, the Jimbo era and Jameis, like that was just like obvious. These people are dog shit, but you know, before that, during the Bobby Bowden slash Shelly Marcone era, but it was still skanky and humid. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that's all right, I guess. Spencer, Texas is number 11. Did the AP voters learn nothing from the past two decades? Or is this another thing where I'm going to be, unpleasantly surprised to learn that they're kind of good they're they're pretty good man they are mm. now i will say this they have to replace Bijan robinson and i don't think that's as easy people sleep on running backs more than they ever have and he made everything work right he just like if you have a running back who's automatic it makes everything on that offense click a little bit better this offense if quinn ewers can stay upright they'll be really really good so yours is good? Yeah, I think yours is good. That, well, that's the one shame of the NIL era is that someone like Quinn Ewers can't get a no-show job anymore under the table. He actually has to show up for the car dealer. <laughs> he didn't and, have to do it because he got NIL deals at Ohio State and then transferred to Texas. Just that like, is so get your money smart. up front, y'all. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Tennessee's <laughs> number 12 after the reemergence mm-hmm. under Josh Heupel a season ago. Can he keep them good? Was that legit? That's legit. It won't be quite the same because I think they're a little more volatile at quarterback, Joe Milton. Um, if you don't right. know Joe Milton, Joe Milton was at Michigan. Joe Milton is absolutely huge, could throw the ball 80 yards, and usually does. So even if it's a 30-yard route, he is just... Hey, that sounds like your old quarterback. Correct. He's um, he's a He is a high-variance quarterback, okay? The rewards will be immense. The misses could be absolutely monumental. In our SEC preview at Channel 6, every single Tennessee game, I had a line for Joe Milton that was like completions, TDs, interceptions, casualties. That's <laughs> just list casualties after every single one because that's just the kind of quarterback he is. So I think like, you know, that that feels like an eight and four team. They have a lot to replace. Uh, Hendon Hooker was magnificent. Um, they lost a couple of receivers to the NFL, very good ones. So they might take some time to find their rhythm, but they're definitely a better program. Could you see Heupel's offense changing from a year ago? Because I remember uh, from this past spring, I would I watched breakdowns of Hendon Hooker, and the number one thing that NFL uh, scouts would say, guys like J.T. O'Sullivan, Kurt Warner, they would say, "I don't know what the fuck Josh Heupel's doing with this offense." Like I like there are like entire sides of the field would just go completely unschemed like for games at a time yeah was will they keep doing that no his job's to win college football games he doesn't have to prepare anyone for the nfl he really doesn't and this scheme works this scheme works beautifully it really does and it's a run heavy scheme i think people do not really understand that they see you know vert routes going 30 40 yards down the field and they think oh man they just do nothing but like throw goes it's a bit of a microwave offense which is a term that you will sometimes hear described uh, to describe either the air raid or this particular variation. What you're looking at, by the way, is like an unfrozen Baylor offense at times where they put the wide receivers way out at the sidelines in order to open up space. And mm-hmm. if you have numbers here, they'll throw there. And if they have numbers out here, they'll run here. And it's pretty simple. They also run like a series of deep com- deep route combinations that, uh, again, come straight from the like old Baylor playbook when they were scoring 40, 50 points a game. They're not going to change anything. And they're not really obligated to change anything because those guys get drafted anyway. You know, if you're if you're talented, the NFL will go ahead and draft you, even if you have been playing uh, in the hot pocket <laughs> offense. Uh, who will be the most fun team to watch this season? Who will be the least fun team to watch, and why is it Iowa? Oh man! So I have a couple. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and take two or three on the most fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's fine. I already mentioned Florida State. Florida State's extremely fun. Texas Tech. That's a shit kicking team. Texas no Tech, shit. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas like Joey McGuire is like this like legendary high school coach who finally got his crack at like a major college job. And when they beat Texas last year, he had my favorite speech of the year where he got them in the locker room and he said, I told you they would break and they did. Oh, that's right. That speech rocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Joey McGuire. And they have they have a really fun offense. It's Western Kentucky's old offense. If you remember Bailey Zappi dropping bombs for a couple of seasons straight, they have their offensive coordinator. Uh, they're just going to be fun. They'll be aggressive. They don't really have a whole lot to lose. So I would go ahead and, and take them as, you know, my, my favorite, like, kick you in the teeth even if they lose team uh, on top of Florida State. And uh, on the West Coast, it's real hard to turn down USC because Kayla Williams is just going to be doing all kinds of ridiculous nonsense. So I would go ahead and take them as well least fun to watch listen i was actually fun this year because every single game we're going to be keeping par on whether brian ference is on track to keep his job by scoring by iowa has to score 25 points a game they're not going to do that in order for brian ference to keep his job they're not even going to come close to that that was like a robust month for them last year it was it was is that possible they have Cade mcmara a michigan transfer at quarterback now who is at least a tier or two up from Spencer Petrus in terms of potential performance. Additionally, and this is written into the contract to let you know how rigged this game is, special teams and defensive touchdowns count toward that total as well. Oh, really? Wait, so it's in his contract that he has to be, like, it's he's to be hitting a mark. Like, it's like oh. a sales figure. David, I have given you a new reason to watch Iowa football. A hilarious one. That, yeah. This is- so he's going to be, it's like the Jack Lemon and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross vibes are going to yeah. be emanating this off that sideline. Quota. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Follow Terrific. the leads, score 25 points a game by hook or by crook. This has been a fun hour, but all I'm doing is learning about all the corrupt jobs I haven't taken. And it's making me very, still time. very envious and regretful. I could have made so much money by doing so little work. And I just haven't done, I've, I've done actual work to earn money. And I feel like a moron, just the worst. Yeah. You would have, you would have a croakies tan line on the back of your neck if you'd made a few different decisions in your life. L- let me tell you something, Roth. I am very close to becoming a croakies dad. Like I've lost enough sunglasses in the ocean over the years that oh, it's really yeah. tough. Can I, can I, can I show you all something? This is what? The advanced, Are you the holding? Advanced, the, the, advanced, oh, the advanced podcasters move Wow, Damn. with the glasses because these things slide down on my nose all the time and I'm sick of it. So I just wear them all the time now. A friend of mine was at uh, Cedar Point Amusement Park in Ohio last week and made an emergency croakies purchase because he realized that his plan to ride roller coasters and the glasses that he needs to wear to see were in conflict. And I like the idea of there being a like a croakies station at an amusement park where they're like, we understand like this happens a lot. Uh, that'll be $29. It should be like AAA. You should just be able to call them and they, they yeah. like they just <laughs> roadside assistance. You know, yeah. At something called like the Reaper, like a yeah. maglev uh, <laughs> experience. Yep. Uh, Spencer, would I, would it be possible for me to suggest you get your glasses adjusted so they don't slip down your face? No, 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 no. Cause the minute I get my glasses adjusted, one of my sons flies over and hits them and the adjustments completely yeah. like, ah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't, I didn't factor in the children yeah. because children so do that. Rowdy mm-hmm. sons in the equation. Everything's different. Yeah. Rowdy, rowdy sons are the reason that you're like not going to have decent furniture till I'm 55. Uh, two more questions before we remember a guy, Spencer. Uh, first of all, do you believe in Coach Prime? No, no, I don't. I think he's a good coach. I just think situationally that's not going to work out because it's Colorado. They are they're so small, man. They're a better team now, but like if you look at them next to actual like football teams this fall, you'll be like, those guys look smaller. And I think he'll eventually quit for a job in texas and take either health or uh, another excuse as a trapdoor to get out of there because colorado i think is a tougher job than he even anticipated i mean he imported like his entire jackson state roster but that's jackson state like right. that's probably not gonna fly when he has to play fucking utah uh no U- utah's going to kill them <laughs> utah's going to murder them all right. Well, then, uh, my last question then is: in uh, in the battle of cats versus the world, who wins? Is the world, because I just don't think cats have the attention span to like that, finish off the job. That almost that almost took too long because I've seen what Northwestern has done this off season, and I assumed you would instantly say world two hundred 
Northwestern. Nothing. <laughs> oh, good. That wasn't a... I thought you were asking like an epic pet question. I had already no. forgotten about Northwestern's football program. You know yeah. what? Everyone has. Rolled, all, you, all, so. you have to, all you have to do to distract Northwestern is just, I don't know, throw a, throw a Hamilton CD at them. <laughs> get their ass just find the most find the most cringe musical you can find uh it's time for our guy of the week every week we remember an athlete of your not a hall of famer necessarily but just a guy who makes you think hey i remember that guy roth this one isn't for you this is strictly for spencer and even for spencer i think it might be a challenge depending on how close he is to me in age your guy of the week spencer is chris gizzy do you remember chris gizzy oh no not one okay. bit all right. I had All to, right. I had to look him up, and it's what you expect. Like he is now the strength coach for the Green Bay Packers. If that gives you any sort of Perfect. visual reference, Hold on, I'm going to look up his face just so I can, because I'm predicting what he looks like. So there's a couple of ways it could go, and he is uh, one of those, but not exactly. Uh, I know you've always been a big strength coach guy. Yeah, I will tell you one one. This is a strength coach for sure, <laughs> confirmed. Uh, two. I am fascinated with the facial hair choices here. I usually you don't see a strength coach experimenting this much with the look, so yep. he's kind of an innovator. Yeah. So it's a beard just because it's not a visual medium, people can't see it. It it is a beard, but it's not like when you think of a strength coach beard, you're thinking of something that is like micrometer precise, like that is like, you know, done by like Drake Sky. And this is just a a fucking beard. This is a man's beard. And it is uh, lined up in some strange ways, like that suggests that he's maybe not, it's not top of mind for him to keep the beard perfect. I will say he had no choice to be a strength coach because his dad taught at a school in. <laughs> Go ahead. I know you want to do it. I'm going to do it. The name of the town in Ohio where his dad taught school is Strongsville, Ohio. Wow. A lot of, lot of so big dumb. guys coming out of there, That's big, so strong dumb. guys. <laughs> <laughs> the speeches are just made for you as a coach. This is literally Strongsville. If you don't like it, you can take it over to Weeks. Weeksville. <laughs> it's like the worst Dr. Pepper ad ever. By the way, I am looking at uh, the Chris Gizzy photo, and uh, the facial hair to me looks like a bottle opener. That's what I'm seeing when I look at it. <laughs> so how did you Drew? How did you decide on this? Because this guy played at Air Force. Yes. Yeah, so he, I remember him when I when I was in college. Like I have a repository of college football guys, and I remember when we did a live show in Nashville. I busted those all out for remember some guys. So it was guys like Anthony Lott and uh, Shane Edge and guys like that, and like nobody in the audience knew who the fuck they yeah. were. Mm -hmm. And so Spencer was the only one who I was like. Maybe he'll remember who the fuck Chris Gizzy is. No, no, no. I got Anthony Lott and Shane Edge. Shane Edge was a Shane Edge was a thumping, thumping hitter. In addition, on uh, kick returns. Yeah, what a name yeah. too. Jesus Christ, just such a kick. And it was it was spelled Edge. It wasn't like E G I. No, edge. Right? Straight yeah. up Edge. Yeah. yeah, he was. He he had a he had a video game protagonist name, right? Like, yeah. give me Edge. He's the best. <laughs> yeah, it's like a real like Degeneration X yeah. protagonist, like <laughs> adjunct. <laughs> Only he can get us into New Burma. Yep. <laughs> you might think you're a bad dude. but <laughs> Steven Seagal plays Shane Edge, former U.S. Sh Navy. <laughs> Sh that's like a, also like a now school Steven Seagal thing, like where his character is just like fully supine on a bed for the entire movie. Like that's yeah. still, they still name him that. <sighs> Time to open up the fun bag. These are real questions from defector readers and distraction listeners. Only one this week. And this one goes more to you, Roth, although I'm going to let Spencer give it a shot too. It's from Carl. And Carl writes in, what ball player has had the most trading cards printed of all time, Roth? Wow. Uh, so this would be, if it's baseball, this would be somebody that played in the early 90s during the trading card boom. This was a period of time before uh, the laws of supply and demand were widely understood in that industry. And so they realized that people were buying cards. And yes. they uh, then made the decision that what you should do is just print 150,000 of each card that they had and then make sure that it was available in every store with a flat surface in that it, makes them uh, valuable in the United States it does and that's also why people like me that saved the cards from that period because when you're younger or if you're just stupid the idea that like if you read a story and you're like the guy that created spawn paid $75,000 for a Mickey Mantle card if you're 12 
you hear that and you're like, well, that means I should save my Phil Plantier cards because they're all going to be worth $75,000 later. And that way my parents won't be in as much debt uh, from me going to college. And that is not, that was incorrect in several ways, but it would be like an early 90s Don Russ ass dude. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, in terms of most cards uh, and also played during that period, if Jamie Moyer is responsible for, like, and I know they didn't make like parallels for him. He probably was only a diamond king one time, whatever. I mean, that's guy played for 25 years and it overlapped with the absolute peak slash uh, bottom of the trading card business. So I want to believe that there's like a thousand different Jamie Moyer cards out there uh, to be for for the brave collector to uh, compile. So you are going by number of varieties and not sheer number of cards. Because my answer it's is King both. Griffey Jr. It's both though. Yes. Oh, that's right. That makes sense. Because Griffey was like every company that was making cards was like, well, if you just did like a set of different photos of Ken Griffey Jr. Like he's reading a book. And there's a different card for every page that he's reading. That would be a good move. I just remember like, when kids would buy like upper deck cards in my school, and if they got Griffey, they fucking shat their pants. Like, oh my god, Spencer, do you have a different answer than than us? Uh, I am going to just guess by my own short baseball card collecting experience, and based on the player who turned up the most, Dante Bichette. Oh, I like, I like. You know, that's such a fun guy to remember senior dante bichette senior yes i was oh that's right there was a dante Bich- there's because everybody knows about Bo bichette who's had a good career dante bichette jr was drafted by the yankees and never made it out of the minors but i'm sure he had a great time he got to live in trenton for a few years who wouldn't who wouldn't like that they call it the queen city they do it makes and then the whole world takes it's a terrible relationship to have with the rest of humanity the most <laughs> the bitterest most Passive aggressive city of the world. The most Put the brand Jersey right on there. Shit imaginable. Go too. ahead. While Take you go it through it on a train, they still manage to flip you off as you go by on your way to Philadelphia. You're like happy to get to Philadelphia by the time you get there. <laughs> by the way, we I, this question comes on the heels of fanatics uh, taking over all uh, NFL trading cards, and I'm sure, given that it's fanatics, they're all going to be printed on toilet paper. Uh, of course, not not like good toilet paper, not like Cottonelle. It's going to be on Scott tissue. So they're gonna and they're gonna come out like forty games into the season. Very, very, very excited for that, Spencer Hall. You are a fantastic guest, and I hope you have a wonderful college football season, Spencer. Your subscription newsletter is Channel Six, and folks, you can find Channel Six at channel six ghost dot io. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before I do the final credits, Spencer? Sure, you can listen to the full cast. You can listen to the full cast after dark, which we will be doing hopefully after games on Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Also, a little, uh, you will see me from time to time on Debatable on the ESPN network, if you're familiar with them. Uh, also, I do F1 for them as well. So we'll be doing uh, coverage for the Vegas race and load some post-race stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at EDSBS uh, or on Blue Sky at EDSBS or on Instagram where I post like once a week. You know what? That was the most plugging yeah, we've really had guests do. And I'm, you know what? I'm glad you took advantage of it. Because sometimes other guys are like, well, no, we just, it was just fun to be well, on. He's doing, he's like, doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. No, I want, I, want some, I want some commerce being done here. In the spirit of college football, we need pure <laughs> commercialism in action. Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Grugel is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by Multitude. And you can subscribe to Defector.com right now. Just go to Defector. And hit that subscribe button. You can also email us at distraction at defector.com or even call us at 909-726-3720 and leave a message. That's 909-Panera0. Mm-hmm. We will be back uh, next week, just Roth and I. Spencer, thank you so much. You yeah, were thanks, a man. wonderful guest. Please come back next year. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, man. See you guys. Bye. Bye.